What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Metal All right. I love this song. Remix. How long has it been? Like uh, two weeks since we did a pod? Not even two weeks since we did a pod. No, not even. People people acting like it's been three months. Okay. Now, in their defense, we didn't do a big announcement. Like, hey, we're taking a week and a half off. But you were out there a lot. Uh, three and out pod still went, right? I mean, maybe you took – did you do your normal I, I did, three and out yeah. schedule? Yeah. I, I banged – but they were shorter. I just banged out a couple quickies. Yeah, there you go. Uh, push some product. Yeah. Luckily, I, you know, I'm still in touch with you, but uh, I, I, I got a lot of DMs. I wasn't as active asking. on social. I, I, I kind of tried to pull back the reins a little bit. Did so you announce good. it? You're supposed to announce it to people when you. I've noticed a lot of people do that. Is, I'm going to be off Twitter. It's like, all right, we'll just be off Twitter. We'll, no one will notice. I, that's where I, I'm glad we didn't announce because <laughs> in most people, you just go away for a little while. Yeah, it's fine. Like, we'll, there's a, there's, don't worry. There's plenty of opinions on Twitter without you. We'll be okay. Well, I saw. Did you see Bill Simmons say that this is the slowest week in sports? No, Bill, that was last week. There just happened to be a big trade, but last week there was nothing. Yeah, going. what was that about? The trade or just nothing going on? Well, him calling this week slower than last week. Well, he even doubled. He pulled back. He's like, my bad, I was wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, I do think I forgot last, about last week. I do think last week feels. Uh, the Giants are hot right now, guy. Oh, Alex Dickerson. The did uh. The Chris Paul-Russell Westbrook trade made last week feel like a crazy week, but it really wasn't. Yeah, that's probably right. That's true. And, and the, that was the home run wild. derby was good. The home run derby was derby good. Derby was good. Yeah, last week turned out better than most weeks of last week usually do. I agree. Because, I mean, as a radio guy at your at your core and your roots, wasn't last week always considered the slowest week in sports? Last week is usually vacation week, yeah. Yeah. But on the calendar, like when January 1 starts, that's usually circled of people like, oh, I don't want to work that week. Right, right, right. Because there's because usually NBA free agency is done. There's no baseball games. 
and obviously football is in the middle of their vacation. Well, you'll remember, John, that the Friday last last week it fell during the week, but when I got married four years ago, we did it the the Saturday before All Star Week because that was the slowest week afterwards. Because then we just didn't come back. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah, we took that week off afterwards. Yeah. That's right. Love a good week off. Yeah. Even though I got nothing to really do. Like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, nowhere. Hammer, <laughs> hammer golf balls. It's good just yeah. to, you know, it's, and we mock, we're, we're big on blue collar, but, uh, you know, it's good to just uh, give yourself a little time, some me time, you know, the world keeps spinning. It's okay. <laughs> totally agree, guy. Totally agree. You know, societies where a two o'clock nap time is just part of the fabric of, of what they do. Who am I to mock them for that? You know, I feel like that's how many, a- how many books did you read in your off days? <laughs> So I have read several pages of a book. I had to renew the book. I haven't even gotten through chapter one. But uh, how'd you renew the book? You go to the library? Yeah, yeah. I go go to the library. You do go to the library? Yeah, that's usually where Seriously. I get my books. So you don't ever buy books? I do, but because sometimes you know, if I want a book that's not at the library or it's checked out. You know, I'm gonna be honest. I I don't even know. Actually, I, I know where the Walnut Creek Library is, but I haven't been to the library in a oh, long yeah. time. Got my library card. Seriously, what the the San Francisco Library? Just San Francisco Public Library. Yeah. Like, what book did you check out? So I checked out two what, books. Marv Albert, How to Be Great. I've checked out Brian Kenny's book on baseball. Is it good? That's the one I started reading, uh, and then I also checked out this one. Got returned. I checked out two books, which was, I mean, just talk about being bold, John. That was talk about not taking a good look at your own track record. And, you know, it's like buying two gym memberships when you haven't been in the gym in six years. The other book I checked out and returned, didn't crack it once, was Doug Farrar's, like, football book. Maybe that's that'll little, be next. That's a little too in-depth football nerdy for me. Yeah, it was It was a ball. Was, didn't, was didn't Lewis Riddick write the forward for that? I think he did, actually. You're right. Yeah. I, I went, I, well, there was another book I was looking for. They didn't have it. And so I ended up. With something else, but my, my mother wants me to write a book. I'm not really sure on what. Yeah, uh, and I would it, my book if it ever gets created will be audio only. <laughs> It'll be a podcast. That, It'll be a really I, like, long podcast. Yeah, I just feel like that is my demo. Like if we're not we're not sitting down and you know reading Warren Buffett's Fifty Keys on Life. No, you're you know? think you'll do do a podcast and then someone else will just transcribe it and that'll be called a book. I, I wouldn't be opposed to one day doing just an audio book only because, you know, the uh, I truly believe where we're headed as a society, not that books are ever going to disappear. I, I just think that one day most of them are going to be – now, you'll be able to read them online, but I, I mean our library is going to be around in 50 years. I don't know. Just the brick and mortar, you know, so expensive. Now, I would imagine the local government subsidizes the public library, right? Because that, uh, that, yeah. piece pro- that piece public, of property, library, yeah. where, where is that thing? Downtown San Francisco? Can't be cheap. Well, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, there's there a bunch. Is. Like one of them is right on Chestnut in the marina. Yeah, another, that's what another I'm saying. One is that, what you in Pack free- Heights in like a historic mansion. Yeah, isn't this pretty? We're talking prime real estate, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this podcast brought to you by boxofawesome.com, John. We'll tell you oh. more about that in a little bit in the pod, but the basics box of awesome.com. You get a bunch of awesome stuff in a box and you have the promo code ham. 
got a bag delivered. Did you? You'll probably get one. Oh, I was hoping to get that bag, actually. Like a duffel? Boxofawesome.com, promo code HAM, 20% off your first box, guy. This uh, podcast also brought to you by LegacyBox.com slash HAM. So two boxes, totally unrelated, totally different things. Legacy boxes, you go get old VHS tapes or DVDs or hard copy photos. You send it to them, and they're going to take your family history or whatever you got and put it all digital and send it back to you, which is pretty yep. cool. You can watch it on your iPad. You can watch it on your computer. If you're cooked up to your phone, or I mean your TV, watch it on your phone. Bar- LegacyBox.com slash ham, 40% off today. And this podcast is brought to you by the place where we'll start, MyBookie.ag. <laughs> Promo code ham. Royal Port Rush. I can't wait to dive into some golf gambling MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1, get a 50% bonus on top of your first initial deposit. I don't know, Guy, if you've looked at all at Royal Port Rush, but it's pretty freaking awesome. It's right on the water. It's a pretty sweet-looking track. Honestly, just YouTube it a little bit this morning reminded me a lot. Now, Bandit Dunes would have stole this idea from them. <laughs> so Bandit Dunes copied like Northern Ireland, uh, but they did. And just reading a lot about this tournament – you know, the political impact, obviously, Northern Ireland's had a lot of unrest the last the majority of our lifetime for a long, long time. It's a really big deal going back there. Rory Graham McDowell from Northern Ireland. Like, it's a, it hasn't been there in almost 70 years. Like, this is a pretty historic. This arguably is the most historic golf tournament in the world, just given the length of how long golf has been over in that country, in both those two countries, Northern Ireland and just Ireland. But uh, Darren per- Cl- is Darren Clark – Northern Ireland? I, I thought he was might be South African, but don't quote me on that. He's won it before. Okay. I mean, R- R- Rory. You got some. Whole- let, let's dive in. I have I have looked at the course. I've looked at mostly just like videos of guys out there weren't playing. I saw Spieth out there in shorts. Is it warm? Uh, I think today it was pretty sunny. So, all right, what you got? Well, really quick on the course. Yeah. I was listening to this podcast, No Laying Up podcast. Oh, they yeah. had this guy from Ireland on. And he was saying that typically on these courses, just in general in Ireland, on any of the you know links type courses, hole one and eighteen usually kind of suck because where you place those holes are on the greatest kind of area real estate because you plop the clubhouse there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times on a link style course, the sweet holes are in the in the middle of the course. Well, they you, didn't want that. J- just so I understand you, like when you say sweet holes, you mean like they're like they're more unique, like they're tougher holes. Yeah, I guess they're signature holes. Okay. You know, when you talk about the course, those are the ones you think of. There are never one in eighteen. Well, because they found out like three or four years ago they were coming back, they scrapped hole one in eighteen and built new holes. Wow. And they like kind of changed the setup of the course. And I heard Rory talking about it, like. Rory, I think, grew up playing this course, and for a long time, like at age 16, he shot 61. He's the betting favorite right now at 9-1. to one. Rory McIlroy, betting favorite. Uh, and, and the guy on the No Laying Up podcast, whoever, the, he covers golf, you know, in that area. He's like, the, the given the political uh, impact and symbolism of this tournament, what this week means, he's like, you could argue – in like recent memory, there's never been more pressure on one human than there is on Rory in this tournament. And he's embracing it. Like he understands it. He's been thinking about it for a while, but like what it means to these people. The other thing I guess is, you know how, when you and I went to Pebble beach, 
you can't and I you can't like the Masters is the same. There's no walk up. You can't walk up and buy tickets. Like if you go to the John Deere Open, Guy Haberman, John Middlecoff, and ten of our friends could just walk up and buy some tickets. Well, typically the Open Championship, like one thing they hang their hat on is they never sell out because there's so much space in a lot of these links courses. It's just come first come first serve, but they're always gonna have tickets. Just general admission. They didn't do that here. One of the reasons is because they, I guess they have somewhat limited space, so they basically pre-sold like forty grand, forty k a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So like a total of you know one hundred sixty. Wow. I think it's like a total of two hundred because of the practice rounds too, but they capped it, and it's just kind of a unique. Like it's just it, I don't know. It's just I. It's hard for like me, you, and most people in the states. If you're not from that area, to kind of understand the import, it'd be like the equivalent of like uh, I, I don't know, like Iraq hosting the World Cup or something for them, because golf's their number one sport. People will always look at that like kind of a place of terrorism and just unrest and just violence, and it's pretty, it's just pretty nuts. And I think we'll probably feel it once, you know, we start watching it on TV because mm-hmm. I know I've heard Faraday say. He did a lot of stuff for NBC on the buildup of just because he's from Northern Ireland too, on just the impact. Like it means a lot to these people, guy. So do they think like does he think the crowds are going to be a little different than normal golf crowds just in, just because of the pride in the country? Yeah, he he thinks it's not as much just like people are. Yeah, I I don't know if they really know what it's going to look like yet. I think a lot of people are just praying to God. And I don't think that the they would have allowed this tournament to go there, you know, that of just a potential like bomb threat or just who know. I mean, that stuff happens there a lot, you know, maybe not recently, the last like five, 10 years, but the last like 50 years, like the guy on the No Laying Up podcast said that he's like, even in the 80s, it had tempered down a lot. It only averaged like 100 deaths a year, but it just felt like more, you know, it, you just always felt uneasy. And none of these guys would have gone over there, right? If they didn't feel comfortable with it, like clearly they've they're pretty comfortable with the security and everything. I mean, the course is badass. Uh, the other thing is just it's it parallels the water, so at any moment, like today it was sunny. Well, you know, it, I mean, it flipped like this. The wind start pumping. It starts raining. Kepka plus one hundred. DJ sixteen to one. John Rahm, who won over there a couple weeks ago, that Scottish Open. He's playing really well, sixteen to one. I'm, I'm put some cash on him. That's pretty. Imp- I mean, that's a pretty unique to take advantage of. If he played in a tournament at this course. Well, no, not at this course, but just, just, just over in Northern Ireland. There. I got you. Okay. I mean, so did Ricky. So did Kucherov. Oh wait, what did you say? Did you say Scottish Open? The Scottish oh, Open, okay. yeah. She's so not even in the country, but just that style of but golf, it was that weather. Style, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, the crazy ass grass, you know. Uh, Ricky's played pretty well in this tournament historically. He's thirty to one. Justin Rose, How's, who just, Stewart, you know, where's Stewart Sink? He's got to be way down there. Phil's a hundred to one. Yeah, <laughs> so, ass. Uh, Speed thirty five to one. I, you know, I, I think I'm going to put a little. Little cash on Rom. I'm gonna put Ricky's gonna win a major sooner or later, thirty to one. You know, fifty bucks wins you fifteen hundred. To me, Justin Rose just feels like he's kind of like, uh, you know, maybe like a Philip Rivers type, but he's won a championship. But he's always gonna put you in position. Like you feel pretty good going to war with him, though. There, he always leaves you something a little to be desired. 
He's probably better than Phillip Rivers. He's probably closer to like a Roethlisberger because he's good. He's better than Rivers. But he's not. Maybe he's Rodgers. Maybe he's Rodgers. Because you watch him when he's on, you're like, is this guy the best player I've ever seen? But, he's but he not only has one mate. At all. No, but he's very arrogant. Doesn't he just look kind of like an asshole? I don't Close? know if he is or not. Yeah. Oh, I've always just kind of no. I've never thought that. I'm not saying that you don't not like correct. my you don't like my Rodgers comp. Well, the thing my thing with Rodgers is Rodgers is like the guy that everyone talks about as if he won three or four. But I think when you think Justin Rose, you think he's been the best player in the world or one of them for the last like five or six years. And yeah, he's but only no, but, but but when it's like let's talk about the best players in the world, people just want to talk about Rory and Tiger and Dustin and Phil and Kepka. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Justin Rose has one major. But you go, he consistently has been a much better player than Kepka. So it'd be like Rodgers only has the one Super Bowl, but we all view him as like he should have three. I just feel like your Ke- average fan like will automatically go to Aaron Rodgers when you talk about the best players. And I don't know if just your casual golf fan goes to Justin Rose. That's no, probably I, why I don't like that. They probably go to Kepka. So who would be yeah. Rose? It's tough, too, because in golf, like you can win a mate. Like, to me, he's closer to somebody that hasn't won a, hasn't won a Super Bowl. Yeah, so he'd be, a, but he, to me, Marino? he's a better version. Yeah, he's a better version. Yeah, I like something like that, like a Marino type. Although Marino, I don't know. It's tough. It's a good. That's a really good question. Yeah, I see. I'd probably lean. He's better than Rivers, but he's probably not. He's probably not Rogers. But like, you couldn't like Rogers wouldn't be Phil, right? Phil's one like six. You know, Rogers is Rogers almost well, leaves something what? to be desired. You know what? Maybe Rodgers is Phil. That's because let me just hear me out here. Because I'm first of all, your PJ championships just don't. It's just they're not one to one championships and Super Bowls. Yeah, but Phil's won three major, three yeah. Masters. Yeah, so you're right. It's probably he's won too many to be Aaron. But I do think he's kind of Aaron, just in the just he's really ta- people talk about him like in his prime, one of the most talented. Probably should have won ten, not six. So flashy, right? Like he does all. Like Aaron Rodgers does take the club, hit it upside down, backwards. Like, that's Phil. Sh- like, Aaron plays like Phil golfs, I feel like. My Phil comp would be Peyton Manning. My Phil comp would be Favre. Phil has five majors. But he- here's his. Peyton here's- is too fundamental. Like, f- like Peyton. Yeah, you're right. Favre, but I'm just, Favre is I'm my just saying Phil. their career accomplishments. Yeah, Phil and Favre to me. Because here's why Phil can't be Aaron Rodgers. He's won the Masters three times. Okay. He won a PGA Championship, which, like you said, kind of gets thrown out, unless that Beth Page Black, which looks like the hardest course ever. Guy, he's finished tied for second or second in the U.S. Open one, two, three, four, five, six times. So just that accomplishment on its own is pretty incredible, and he's won a British. So. Who's Jim Kelly? Uh, maybe Jim Kelly, uh, Matt Kuchar, who's who just somehow has made like $75 million, but yeah. never won a big yeah. tournament. Yeah. Who's, I, uh, who's Kepka? To me, we just got to see how far Kepka's career goes. Cause is there a chance Kepka's career is like, uh, is Kepka like Kaepernick Ka- early, yeah. early before we knew, I'm not saying he's going to yeah. be, but it's like early before on. the deal before the deal, like 12 and 13. Yeah. Just like greatest well, quarterback Kepka's, we've ever Kepka seen. Kepka has won three majors. I know, but we were talking about like Ron Jaworski yeah. said he could be the greatest quarterback ever. But to me, right, I, he's won. That's why it's hard because the wins are not. Well, here, here, here's another thing. I'm a big DJ guy. 
Kepka would go, I've done way more than DJ. I don't give a shit how many tournaments he's won. I've tripled his majors. Right? How many majors does DJ have? One. One. But it doesn't DJ feel like he's got four? To me, DJ feels like Roethlisberger. Who's won two? Who's who's won majors that shouldn't? Because that's Eli. Like a Danny Willett or you somebody's know, won like multiple majors. But it was like what? Well, see, to me, you can't win two majors and be a scrub. You can it's or hard. not a scrub, but you, you can yeah. win one major. And be like, damn, this guy won the U.S. Open. Right. You know, but to win two, it's like, damn, that's pretty incredible. I, I do one thing. Kepka has. He brought this up a while ago, and he's right. And it sounded so arrogant when he said it. He's like, yeah, I feel better about majors. He's like, because really random people can't win it. Yeah. He's like, you take your field. When the field starts, really 50 people have a chance. Right. And then half those people are going to just be off that weekend. So, right. do I'm or down choke. to 25, 20. Just, yeah, just, yeah, just fucking get crumbled. So, I'm immediately down to 20. And he's like, let's be honest. Of that 20, once we get into the meat of Saturday and Sunday, that's going to wipe out about half of them. So, you know, I got to take down like seven or eight guys. And that's his mindset if I'm on. And he's kind of right. So that's why you got to kind of, if you're going to be leveraged on this tournament of betting on the guys, I would pick the majority of guys like 20 to 1 or better. Rory, Kepka, DJ, Rom, Tiger, Ricky, Rose, like those type guys. Like I, I wouldn't mess around with that many super, super underdogs in this tournament. Because as we've seen this year, for the most part, you turn to Sunday – it's like four or five guys in the top 20, and then maybe a couple randoms, right? Like, who was in the mix on Sunday at Pebble Beach? It was Gary Woodland, who's probably outside of that top 20, but he's not that far, versus Kepka, right? In the Masters, it was like Tiger, Molinari, Finau. Like, it's the last, like, five or six majors, for the most part, have been the big dogs. So Kepka's he might – I mean, he could go into an analyst career because he's right. That's pretty. That's one of the smartest things I've ever heard a golfer say. Yeah, and he kind of got some shit for it, like, "Oh, just arrogant Kepka." No, he's right. I I like why why wouldn't I just like Kepka in this tournament then? I mean, well, I do. The, well, the one thing the Irish guy said is that this court, this this course is not a huge just because the rough is so crazy, and the greens. I guess you know how typically in some of these British Opens, like. You can hit a seven iron, two hundred and fifty yards, and just runs up to the green. Yeah. The, I guess these greens are elevated, so you can't really do that. You have to so, land the ball. Yeah, but he's like, actually, being long and accurate is fine, and that's the one thing Kepka is. It's not like he's inaccurate with his driver. I mean, he—that's so, where he filled. Filled be fucked. Tiger probably be screwed. Yeah, so I'd say Molinari, Ricky, just because he can putt. I mean, is Tiger playing just moving forward the next 10 years, like five tournaments a year? Well, yeah. Yeah, did we talk about this? That Other than the Masters, I don't see him. I don't know. How is he going to win other majors? Like, if he wins a non-Masters, if he wins another Masters, that'll be amazing. But if he wins a well, non-Masters. I, well, I, I think he could win, like, a U.S. Open at Torrey Pines where it's hot in the summer. Yeah. You know, or Wisconsin, St. Louis. He's got no chance at cold. Any tournament where you have to pack rain gear, out. I would even say like the like sweatshirts. Today, I saw today he had on you know where he wears a Nike collared shirt, but then he has the long sleeve undershirt that's super tight to kind of mm-hmm. keep you warm. Yeah, the, like yeah. a football player would wear in a right. winter game. Right. Like, ah, I don't like Tiger's back in those conditions. If I ever see you on the range in one of those things, I'm, I'm immediately annoyed. What if it's cold? Yeah, just just 
put on a pullover. Well, a lot of people don't like swinging in a pullover. I understand. I'm just saying. If I when I see dry fit long sleeve guy on the range, I'm annoyed. Do you own dry fit long sleeve? I uh, the 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 loose ones. Yeah, not super tight. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just jealousy of body type that makes me annoyed when I see those. So my main three bets this week are going to be Rom, Ricky, and Rose. Tempted to just put like twenty bucks on Phil, hundred to one. Why do you keep doing this to yourself? Well, because guy, he fasted. He's super skinny. Lost fifteen. He lost fifteen pounds in three weeks. So I appreciate the discipline. And I just think he's desperate. Like what you just to drop bombs. I, I, yeah, I just think you can never discount great. And maybe just maybe he shot, but he at least he acknowledged it. Like he's not you gotta give him credit, he's not going down easily. I'm not, not going down a scrub. Now he may just continue to be quote unquote a scrub. I mean for relative to him. But he's pissed off. Like me, if I've been averaging fifty mil a year for the last ten years, <laughs> I ain't losing fifty mil in three weeks. He does. You got to give him some. Like he takes a lot of pride in this shit. No, look, I don't think we've seen him good for the last time. I'm sure he'll. I, I'm. I think he'll be good again. I don't know for a sustained amount of time, but he'll be in the mix. But did I just. You, did you read paid? Did you read Phil? I almost said Phil Knight. Peter King, I guess, rode around with Peyton Manning a couple weeks ago, mm-mm. and he saved it because he's been on vacation, and he gets in the car with Peyton Manning because Peyton's doing this thing for ESPN. Right, and I guess he shot the video that they're going to use, you know, leading up to week one because it's the hundredth anniversary or whatever. Yeah. So he went to Wrigley Field and he interviewed McCaskey, mm-hmm. the daughter, who's I mean the daughter, she's eighty, ninety five years old, whatever. But also him at Ditka, like he did a bunch of stuff for the Bears leading into that game. And Peter gets in the car; they clearly know each other, and he goes, "I do not use the R word around here, like it, it's it makes him uncomfortable, you know." retired now obviously he's a retired player but i think that makes him feel really old because mm-hmm. the one thing he said is like i always took a lot of pride when someone's like what does this guy do he's a football player it was just very black and white like what this guy does he's like the last couple of years people go what are you doing and peyton kind of gets uncomfortable he's like well you got a minute because he has to explain all the shit he's doing but he doesn't have like a definitive thing he does yeah yeah and i think phil's probably coming to grips with like i don't want to retire but i'm probably not as good anymore but I still think I'm good. And I think Peyton, that last year when Peyton got benched with a bad foot, but they still made the Super Bowl. And if you remember that year they made the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots, first two drives they scored a touchdown. So they were up like 14-3. to right. But then as this game went on, it was like, is Peyton going to finish this game? <laughs> he could barely move. Super Bowl was the same thing. Because I remember sitting there thinking – they score on an early drive, and then as the game went on, he threw a pick to a defensive. I mean, he looked terrible. <laughs> I, I think Phil is one more, like, plus 10 in a, in a major, like, fuck, I'm going to take, like, six months off. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, okay, I'm excited for that. Um, if, Ty, if Tiger is anywhere in the mix on Sunday, I will not hesitate to get up at, like, 6 a.m. to watch it. I'm with you. I mean... I'll hesitate for 6 a.m., but I'm with you. I'll get up earlier to watch it. Hopefully, won't be t- what, t- what time is the like late tea time? Yeah, it, it, it always feels like it finishes at like 10 a.m. on Sunday, so maybe it's not even – you don't need to get up that early. Maybe it's like 7.30. They kind of tee off. 
Um, by the way, early pick for Tahoe 2020 champ, Steph Curry. Because you were telling me, you know, Romo's been really good. He's run. He's won running away now twice. It's going to be tough for him just to buckle down for this tournament in terms of prep, maybe. I don't know. And who, who was saying? Probably not. I do think I, I I thought about that. A lot of those guys just come for vacation too. They bring their families. Who who did you say said that like if Steph like the active players don't usually win? It was like Ke- his name Kevin Hicks, Dan Hicks, Dan Hicks, and like Nota Begay were calling the tournament. I think, and just they they showed as Tony Romo once he like finished seventeen, he couldn't lose it on eighteen because the scoring system. They showed the breakdown of the winners. Baseball player and football players are tied. It's in the history of this tournament, 29 years. Hockey players. Am I missing a sport? Yeah, it's just those three Probably teams. like musicians? And maybe, yeah, actors, like actors. musicians. Like Jack Wagner. I don't even know what he oh, does. Oh, yeah, he's but... a legend. He's supposed to be like the greatest like actor golfer ever, I think. Yeah, so, so he's won it a couple times. So musicians, actors, slash those three sports. An NBA player has never won it. And it, I think Nota Begay was like, if he really kind of took – you know, a couple months and focus. It was hard because he just went to China two weeks ago. Uh, I'm sure he took his. He did take his clubs. So I follow him on Instagram. They played over in China. Well, yeah, they released. They did the Under Armour <laughs> release press conference there. <laughs> yeah. So, but still, I mean, there's, it's not your normal prep. Like Tony's banging balls right at Dallas Country Club with Jordan. So right? my theory is one and done in the playoffs next year. Steph's going to have a lot of time to get ready for Tahoe, and uh, he'll win this thing. I would imagine if you look at Steph right now, this is a bucket list tournament for him to win. I think it'd be pretty cool if like him and Tony Romo were dueling it out coming down the home stretch. Yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty good TV. Uh, I mean, guy, the, the 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 marquee group before they like establish themselves and they get grouped Saturday Sunday on Friday was Romo, Steph, Timberlake. Not oh, who was Rogers playing with? I think they put Rogers with like. Two other super famous people. Gotcha. Or maybe uh, what? Or was it Rogers? I thought it was Rogers, Timberlake, and Steph. Maybe you're right. Because they just like to play together. I don't feel. I don't think like Romo wants to play with anybody he likes. He doesn't. He just wants to win. Yeah, he's there to like. I mean, he's like Tiger Woods of this uh, celebrity tournament. John, let's take a moment to tell the people about Box of Awesome from Bespoke Post. We just got our first Box of Awesome, and it's pretty awesome. And it's really easy. Just go to boxofawesome.com and use the promo code HAM. And while you're grinding away at the office or hanging out with friends, whatever you're doing, Box of Awesome is upgrading your style, upgrading your apartment, just upgrading your general game. Here's the thing, guy. I'm telling you. Go to boxofawesome.com and check it out. We did. They told us, hey, go pick out some stuff. Got a bag delivered to my house. It's pretty sweet. Like Each a duffel box bag, goes, right? Like a, yeah. a, a I mean, army leather like, green. You just wear, if you're going on like a little uh, little overnight trip, you like just look it. like a badass. Each box guy goes for $150, but has more than $70 worth of unique gear. From barrel aging kits to limited edition cigars, weekend bags like the ones we got, classy drop kits. Uh, it just it has it all. Essential goods, guidance. For the modern man, guy. For the modern man. 20% off, guy. Your first subscription box. Just go to boxofawesome.com. Promo code. You know it. Help! Yeah, sometimes it's a shirt from like a brand that you wouldn't find at a normal place where you shop. First uh, of every month, the first of every month, you'll get an email with the details of the box. Then you've got five days to change colors or sizes or add something. If you're not feeling the box that month, you can just skip it. 
So there's all kinds of options. Like John said, 20% off the first subscription box. Just go there. You'll see a bunch of cool-ass stuff. Boxofawesome.com. Promo code HAM at checkout for 20% off your fo- your first box. Bespoke post themes boxes for guys that give a damn. Boxofawesome.com. Yep. Uh, John, we've got big news. Robbie Gold has Robbie Gold has signed a contract with the 49ers. The Robbie Gold problem is over for now. Well, it's I mean, a problem it again, what? it'll be because he's missing kicks. Okay, on the on the just the surface, do you have a problem with paying a kicker five and a half million dollars a year for two years? Yeah, I mean, just fundamentally, yeah, I don't love it, but whatever. You got the money. You need a kicker. He's a good kicker. Uh, I think if they were in a different position, and you made this point to me, like they're lucky that they have the space to pay a kicker this much money. But yeah, I mean, if they were the Cowboys, the Eagles, your typical good team, that cap space, every million dollar buffer matters. This would not have been possible, probably. But I, but to answer your, but the other part, the flip side of that is. Like, what is two wins worth? What is a win worth to them this year? It's worth a lot, right? So I do respect that they didn't just say, F it, he's not worth the trouble. Let's just find a guy that's cheaper, even though we can't afford him. Because, I mean, if you told me he has two, if they win two games by a field goal, like this year to them, if that's the difference between eight wins and six wins or nine wins and seven wins or whatever, the, like, that he, if they play close football games, He's worth whatever – if he wins some football games, if he's making kicks, he's going to be worth that money to them, I think. Yeah, see, to me, this was – they had to figure this out. And I think what made them nervous – well, I know it made them nervous because a lot of people are like, they gave into a kicker. They have been offering him a multi-year contract. I don't know what the exact amount was, but you just do the math. You go, well, he's scheduled to make five, so it's not like he's taking a two-year $6 million deal. You know, so I I would imagine the offers were starting at nine ish, two years, but his whole thing was like everyone that's holds it. Melvin Gordon's holding out that hat that broke when Hayward Middlecoff were doing who knows what last week, and <laughs> his is strictly about cash, right? I want to be paid. Yeah, Chris, I saw the the, the Chiefs their star defensive tackle like nothing's changed. Clowny, it's all about money. The thing that was weird with Robbie was like I just don't want to live there. It wasn't – he never said, like, I'm getting screwed for the amount of money because his franchise tag this season was going to pay him more than his last three seasons guy combined. So I, it was more they were nervous, like, I just don't want to be there, bro. I want – I know shit – and it was – he lives in Chicago because he spent all that time in Chicago. It is pretty evident. What do the Bears need? <laughs> they need a kicker. So it felt like he was trying to force his way there. Even though I would imagine if you Google the Bears cap space, let's say the Niners would have been like, okay, we'll rescind your franchise tag. You can go wherever you want. The Bears would not have been able to sign him for $5 million guaranteed. But it felt like he just wanted to be around his kids and stay there. It wasn't really about the money. But ultimately, someone talked sense into him like, hey, man, they're not going to let you go. So they're going to hold you by the balls. Right. You're, you're doing your family a disservice here because they're offering you all this cash. Just take the money. Suck it up for four, hopefully five months a year. Yeah. It becomes irresponsible to your future to turn down that level of money when uh, that, that, that part I'm with you. The other thing, which is more relevant, which is they're not going to trade you to the Bears. Because what are the Bears offering the 49ers that would make it worth it to them? Let's say it got to that point. 
what are they what are they getting for Robbie Gold? I mean, I'd trade him for like a third round pick, probably. Yeah, but are, are the, you think the Bears are, would? Oh man, the no, Bears, no the Bears might might offer a fifth. I mean, would they offer them a fourth? Maybe. I mean, they're, the nine, it's a pretty desperate well, situation. We, we think we might have a chance to be competitive, win 8-9, playoff team. No, guy. I, I'm sorry. I mean, the Niners, we got playoffs this year. That's what they're thinking. Right. You know, that, but I'm that saying, what, what would the Bears comfortably – would the Bears offer a fourth-round pick? Maybe. When do kickers ever get traded for four? Yeah, five, I, you know the Bears are in a desperate situation. They got helicopters flying over there. But I, but I do think practices. if you told me if I was a, if I was sitting there and I'm a diehard Bears fan living in Chicago and I said the Bears just traded a fourth round pick for Robbie Gold, I'd be like hell yeah, thank God we got a kicker now. Right, and if you're the Niners, you'd go we're, we need a kicker. Well, I don't want to sit here with a fourth round pick for next year. I need a kicker. Because what did they now? Because guess what? Now I'm in the same situation the Bears were just in. Yeah, who's my kicker? They're like, well, you can have one of our guys. Well, it's like, I know you hate all your guys. <laughs> so, yeah. I, and the money doesn't mean anything to the Niners. That's where I think it gave the Niners some leverage. Like, Robbie, we don't care that we're quote-unquote overpaying kicker. We got no one else to pay here. So, here, but like you said, he better, one, he better be good because if they are competitive this year and are in games that matter – then the you know typically that's when the microscope goes on the kicker. No one really noticed. Like the the casual NFL fan doesn't really know. You know Robbie Goldsman. This guy's been kicking ass and taking names for the Niners because no one's paying attention to you when you win. You go four and twelve. Now it's like you know you're eight and five and in a game that matters in early December and you're on prime time and he misses three kicks and you lose by four. We ain't talking about Rob like he's. There's some pressure if they're good. If there's no right. pressure, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so two it's just, things. It's just that simple. Like, he was 97% field goal percentage last year, which was best in the NFL. He was 39 how many, ki- how, how many kicks, though, guy, after the Kansas City game? I guess every game to a player matters, and, like, at the time. But if you win or lose, it didn't matter, right? Right. So so this is what I'm getting at, though. So the year before, he was 39 kicks made, 95%. 39 was the best in the league. He was 17 of 18 from 40 to 49 yards. I feel like he hasn't missed. And last year, he was 9 of 10 from 40 to 49. The year before that, he was 100%, John. But he didn't – well, he was 10 of 10. He only, was he hurt? What happened to him? He got cut, and he got. Oh, that's he right. He's in New York. The year before that, it was eighty-four percent. The year before that, it was eighty-five percent. It's the first time in his life he's been over ninety uh, percent. Okay, um, he was eighty-nine point seven one year in Chicago. But kick, kicking in San Francisco has got to be great for him versus kicking in New York or kicking in Chicago, and just in terms of temps and yeah, wind and all that. Sure. Um, but here, here was the point, and you said it. It's like ninety-five percent is great when your team stinks. When your team's good. 95% can just become 88%, right? And all of a sudden, two misses that still don't hurt your percentage that much or three misses, they're just the biggest kicks you have that year. That's what's crazy about kickers. Their percentages, like a baseball player, you hit 320, but you strike out in the playoffs, like you're still going to be around. We'll say you don't perform in the playoffs, but you're still going to be around. Kicker, you're 88%, but you just always, but you can't hit big kicks when they matter. It's like you, it's a disaster. Well, well here, here's the scary thing now. Let's say the Niners have a good team this year. You know, the, the defensive line comes on, Jimmy stays healthy, and the reason they don't make a wild card is because he missed some kicks in December. Well, now with this contract, there's no – you're stuck with them. You're not eating $5 million on a kicker, right? You're running it back. So you're in bed with the kicker now for two years. 
and you might get exposed this year, well, is he a mental midget in big games? Because the Niners don't know that yet. That's that's the scary part. I don't know how he's going to react. And you could get, well, you don't know how Jimmy's going to react. Yeah, well, I'll take my chances with Jimmy. I don't like doing take my chances with kickers. Well, they don't get and that the, many chances, so one missed chance hurts. Well, but the thing is, Robbie has got a lot of chances because he's been in the league forever. Well, yeah, that's true. But he, but he, because he has been an above average kicker, and I think the thing you'd say is, well, he has picked and he has kicked in pressure spots because the Bears multiple times when he was there, right, were good. Like they were in the playoffs, probably, probably three or four times. Like he, I would imagine he's kicked in six or seven playoff games, right? Because the one year they made the Super Bowl, I think it might have been his rookie year. They definitely made the playoffs the one year with Jay Cutler when they lost to the Packers in the NFC Championship game, so they were good. That they hosted the game, so he's he's played in playoff games, but that's been a while. But I, I I would imagine at the end of the day he'd go, well, yeah, I'm like Rory. I grew up playing in Northern Ireland, then I get to play with the states where there's no win. It's not that hard. So maybe he thinks kicking the Levi's is a is a is cruise control for me. Yeah. And in fairness, like his numbers would kind of bear that out, right? And you could even say the NFC West. You got the Rams. You playing in LA. The and the Cardinals. That's an indoor place. Seattle could be hit or miss. But if it's not windy, Seattle or raining, it's not that. If you if you play Seattle in October, it could be a beautiful day, right? You've called games. The Huskies say it's, it can be beautiful up there. Right. I mean, I feel like every time I watch a game up there, for all the rain they get in Seattle, it's always sunny. I'm, I'm trying to think back now. When's the last time you watched a game, a Seahawks game, where you thought, God, the elements here. It, it always seems like maybe a little windy, but it just seems like a normal place to play football. You're right. I, I don't even remember that many rain games, Seattle Seahawks, and they play in a lot of primetime games late in the season. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see, by the way, the video of uh, – speaking of things that happened, uh, the, my, the Russell Wilson throwing passes, the DK Metcalf at UCLA – yeah. DK's looking good. Looking good. Did you see Mahomes throw it out of Arrowhead? Yeah, what was that? I think he was just doing like a promotional video or something. That was I, badass, like onto the yeah, concourse. I don't think the camera angle did it justice. I'm with you. I've been there. That fucking stadium is high. I've never been there, but that's, I believe you. That's insane. Like, I don't believe Jimmy could throw it out of Levi's, do you? Well, they need, John, they need a, a, a rocket with like a canister to shoot T-shirts quarter of that high it's an incredible accomplishment well when did he do the when did he do the arm strength contest against david carr did he do that did you see that that well it might have been from like two years ago i couldn't tell but he threw it like 67 miles an hour i don't i never i don't think i've ever seen So maybe maybe it was new him and david carr like nfl network got outside and threw the football as hard as they could to get mph yeah to get it to get the radar gun on it and they What uh, what did david throw they had heath uh uh What's yeah, this is old because he got he got popped for treating the makeup lady. But oh, that's right. So it must have been old. Uh, Davis was on like sixty five. I mean, maybe David has a better arm than he does release. Clearly, he was. I mean, they were just throwing it at Heath. You know, take, trying to take his head off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Heath got canned for uh, some mistreatment of the that's makeup right. lady with Warren like Sapp the- and uh, Ike Taylor and all that crew. Remember? Yeah, Ike yeah. Taylor was sending like penis pics in the shower and. Right. Warren sent like uh, sent dildos. It was and all of them were just like, oh, I remember reading that article thinking like, this is pretty nuts. And yeah. I, I'm usually not shocked. Like, this is kind of crazy. <laughs> and uh, they were all, and none of them have resurfaced. Was it Marshall part of that? I'm pretty sure Marshall's not involved in the crew anymore. 
Yeah. And it was clearly bad enough where a lot of these guys, like, are Hall of Famers. They have not resurfaced. You know? (laughs) Like, it's not. Now, in fairness, Warren's had many issues over the years. What was the one at the Super Bowl when he didn't pay? The hooker. There was like yeah, a fight in a hotel hallway or something. No, I, plural guy. Hookers. Hookers remember? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to do, you know, you might as well go big. But she was really mad that she didn't pay. Didn't one of them run to the cops or something? It's something crazy. Something was it crazy. the, I think it was the night or before. Or did somebody else through. hear it? And was there, because it was happening, wasn't it happening like in the hallway, the argument? Yeah, it was, uh, it was just your typical Warren Sapp story that only, it, it just makes sense when you read, he's in the headline. But again, there with NFL Network for the Super Bowl in Arizona, he gets arrested. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> uh, well, Joey Bosa's the last issue now, John. He's the last holdout. They got the kicker Nick. figured. Well, see, it's been a long vacation. Thank you, Nick. You know, in fairness, though, huh. I was reading – well, I, I don't usually God, do this. I've been so much better about that lately. Well, I know. Well, P- Pro Football Talk had a tweet like – did you see – it's not just him. Like, the next four guys, like Quinn and Williams, Daniel Jones, uh, Devon, Devin White, none of them have signed. I think they're waiting on him. And then I would go to PFT. I click on the article. They wrote Joey, too. So it's just – All right. Everyone's in off-season form? Yeah. Not acceptable. John, let's take a moment tell the people about Legacy Box. I was telling my wife the other day about, like, all these old VHS tapes we have of my grandfather uh, reading to us as kids. I, I got no way to watch it. I don't have a VHS player. I'm sure a lot of people are in that realm, whether it's family videos, videos of people that are no longer around, videos of them that you want to show it. Like, I don't know, you want to show it at a wedding? You need a VHS player. How about your old high school, your old high school tape, maybe from like 71 oh. on a film reel? Actually, that'd be a pretty good gift for like a parent. You can find that, a that would be sweet. Highlight that tape. would be sweet. Birth, maybe a birth video. That would um, be sweet. Yeah, and of course, old photos. That's what Legacy Box is here to bring all those old items into the modern era. Guy, become the family hero. Bring back the lost memories to watch and see again. Experience the joy and nostalgia of reliving the glory days. Give you peace of mind to send the accomplishments of your parents, maybe your brother. I mean, we grew up when you did something, your parents might video camera, take the pictures. Obviously, remember the hard camera? We used to go to Long's Drugs. And get them printed out. I always used to be like, God, they can see all the pictures. That was actually probably a pretty crazy job, printing out all those pics. Well, now you can put them onto one thumb drive. They digitize them. That's a great thing about LegacyBox.com, guy, slash ham, is they give you the option. They send us boxes. We send back a bunch of old stuff. I went to my parents' house, got a bunch of old stuff, sent it in. It's on its way back in transit now on a little thumb drive. And give yeah. it to my mom, and she can relive the glory days. That's right. And the great thing is they send you the box. There's no, You don't have to like fill it tomorrow. You got time. And I think the other thing about all those old tapes and photos, they take up a lot of space. So maybe some of you are doing you know, summertime. You're doing cleaning. Those things are taking up space. This is a good time to get a box, a legacy box. Fill the box, send it to them, and that'll you get all these memories preserved in perpetuity. But you also open up a little space, clean out the house a little bit. Um, you get personalized updates at every step. They really do a great job of protecting your personal and preserving your digital, uh, getting you digital copies, p- protecting your personal memories. Over 450,000 families have trusted Legacy Box over a decade of experience, and all the work is done by hand right here in the USA. Never been a better time, guy, to digital, digitally preserve your memories. Visit LegacyBox.com ham to get started. 
For a limited time, they're offering our listeners an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash ham. Get 40% off your first order, guy. 40%. LegacyBox.com slash ham. Get started preserving your past. 40%. Uh, all right, we had the, uh, I mean, this was the wild, the wild, wild. Did you, I was 10 minutes late to it. This was last Thursday, right? Yeah, it would have been Thursday. The, the trade. You, I think, were just coming off the golf course, maybe. I don't know. I was I was in traffic, and I hear the class. You get the ESPN app updates. We're going yeah. like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like the other we're day different. when we had your phone connected to the wireless speaker in the back of the golf cart, playing out there at the golf course, and the cart got parked right behind a tee box while we were getting food, and it was still connected. We turned the music off, but the Sports Center update dings as the guy's about to go into his backswing. Exactly. Did it. Did it. Like, oh. When I, and I look down out of the corner of my eye because I'm trying to be a safe driver, and I and I just see Russ and Chris in the same sentence. So then I'm like, well, I'm gonna break the law here. Yeah. And I had to do a double take. That that's I that my the Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns was pretty fucking nuts, right? Because I don't I feel like the Browns were flying a little under the radar, and maybe we were a little more emotionally attached, like because it kind of felt like he was gonna come here. And then what they gave up, they didn't give up that much. This was probably crazier because these two guys, like the Browns didn't give up someone else famous for them. These two guys are, I, I mean, I'd say what you want about Russell. He's one of the more, I mean, he's as big of a superstar as like three or four other guys in the league. What's the, like, what do you think, what was the craziest part of your reaction? That Chris got traded, that Russ, we, we kind of knew he was going to get traded, but that he got traded for Chris or that Russ got traded to play with James like what do you think if you were to rank the craziest parts of those like in order I to me the craziest part was because once they have we done a podcast since they got Paul George yeah we did because we knew the Paul George and the Clippers once Paul George got traded it was clear that Russell was going to get traded so I don't think it was shocking that like we knew Odo Beckham was going to get traded it was like the point would when you woke up and you go, Paul George got traded? To me, those are always the craziest trades. Yeah, the guy yeah. you had no clue. If I just told you, hey, guy, Bryce Harper just got traded to the Dodgers. You'd but be like, what? what? Right, and it was got traded and they signed Kawhi. Yeah, it was like the bang-bang. That, to me, I knew Russ was going to get traded. It didn't feel like Chris was possible to get traded. Exactly. And then they got traded for each other. I I think it was crazier that Chris Paul had orchestrated this sign-and-trade with the Rockets, which kind of enabled the Clippers to be in position to get these guys because they go, look at what we got. We had somewhat a poor man's version of the infrastructure that the Warriors had when they got Kevin. Again, not they didn't have Steph and Clay, but they got Lou Williams, sixth man of the year, who's really a dominant scorer. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with the Warriors. Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly. They got those three guys in the signing trade. And then they didn't have to give up any of them, and they got those two guys, so that... And because they wanted their second superstar in Chris Paul, and then a year later they punt on Chris Paul. It was it was more that they punted on Chris Paul. Like Daryl Morey acknowledged, yeah, we can't do it with this guy. We got to get him out of here. Yeah. So for me, in order, number one, it was that Chris Paul got traded for him. Like not that, just that, just those two names in the same sentence was mine. Before you even get to the fact that Russ and Harden are playing together, because it felt like he was untradeable. And that he's gone from like everyone, like the big smile and face of the NBA, to like this guy that the NBA loves seeing miserable. 
is a wild 180. Like if I feel like NBA people had to be just cackling at that trade. Um, Would you read you read Ethan Strauss article yesterday? I saw some the one like that was the the talk of summer was just the fact that he, his um, his leadership of the uh, players association was pretty. Like the irony of him getting this albatross contract while leading like supposed to speak for all the players, but really screwing the majority of guys. Most he players felt really, screwed, right? That was part of it because he because he only spoke. Which is right. Like at the end of the day, Chris Paul is going to care about the top players because that's what he was at the time to get in the max deals. Well, the max deals, if they take 40% of your cap, well, what's that going to do? That's going to limit your ability to sign all these other guys. And I was just DMing a little with Ethan because I, I mean, I'm, guy, I'm a sucker for just, he had like seven different subjects where Ethan had just spent the week in Summer League just talking to GMs about just different scenarios. One of them, one guy took a shot at running backs. He's I like, I told that. my staff, do not touch a big man unless he's Shaq. They are the new running backs of the league. He's like, God, no, Melvin Gordon's got a point. Like, we just want some respect. And uh, But one of them, to me, the Chris Paul element was just several years ago. I, if It's a little more removed. He wasn't just viewed as like one of the top five or six players in the NBA. Like a no-brainer guy you'd give all this money to. And then he became this albatross contract. And so did Russ. But a lot more because why it was so frustrating the way he plays. But I don't think anyone would argue Russ is a vastly superior player, especially in the regular season, than Chris Paul right now. So like I, I think they upgraded players. Now, in a big game, in a big spot, Chris is – listen, I don't like Chris, but he is smart. And he will do the right thing in theory. Like Russ at any moment, who knows. But to me, Russ during the regular – like they got better. Like, Russ is just a better player. Now, will it work and all that shit? I don't know. They didn't grow up together in L.A. And I, I didn't know this, but I saw James, someone tweeted on my timeline, like, last week. He was at some function, like, three – it looked like a couple other Rockets. He's like, yeah, I've known Russ since we were, like, 10. And clearly now it's – I mean, it's a fact, and Daryl shot it down, that the moment Paul George got traded, James realized, well, Russ ain't going to stay there. They started talking – so whether James hated Chris or didn't, he was had no problem getting rid of him for his boy. So that relationship, like there's going to be a deep dive article in the next couple before the NBA season about the strain and some things that I heard on a podcast. Maybe it was like Zach Lowe. It might have been Simmons. Or it might have been Windhorse. Maybe he said this on TV. I don't even know. All these NBA guys, just you just hear all these comments that there was a moment – in the playoffs where something happened it was against the Warriors and Chris I think was like in the post you know back back and down like Sean Livingston or something and James was too close to him and fucked up the spacing and they had a turnover timeouts called they get back to the huddle and Chris starts barking at him about the spacing yeah and James like kind of snaps back like you're always bitching about fucking everything and I kind of side with James on that. Like, I can see James. Yeah. Like, listen, I'll, I'll listen to you. Something, but you never stop. You're like, I, you're like worse than the coach. And J I think that James just had enough. It wasn't like, hate each other as a person. I think James probably thinks he's a good human or whatever. But he can't play with him anymore because he's just, he's just that yappy little dog. Well, yap, 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 yap. So I can't wait to see the combo. And I think you got to do it if you're. The Rock. I mean, obviously for the Rock, you can trade Chris for Russell. You can do it, but the, that's what makes this amazing. 
is that all that stuff has been like maybe not it hasn't been said that way or it hasn't been that thing. Like I don't know if Russell's ever mad at somebody about spacing, but Russell, like, say, like Kevin Durant had to leave him. Now Kevin also left the Warriors, so it's not apples to apples. But that's what that's part of what makes this whole thing so amazing. Now is these two guys together have that element to them. See, to me, it doesn't it feel like when guys are done with Chris, they're like. He's actually not that difficult to play for. He's just difficult to be around in a basketball sense. He just yeah. wears on you. Where Russ, I think Paul, Kevin, like I really like Russ as a human. And I went back and YouTubed. Remember his MVP speech where he hits on his mom and then he ends with his brother? And it was like, God, this is – as a human, you realize this guy's probably a really good guy. He's been married forever. I think he's a high character. He's never had any issues. Right. People like him. Right. Like, I think I think Paul George would tell you, I love Russ. I just don't really like playing with him. Not that I don't like playing with him when we're winning, but just he can wear you out. He doesn't look at you. He just dribbles around. He's just crazy. Where Chris is much more normal of a player because he's very fundamentally sound. Like he passes. I think he just yells at you a lot for stupid shit. Like, yeah, bro, I, I know. I should have been three feet over. I, leave me alone. I, I've been in the league 10 years. I, we get it, bro. <laughs> you know? And one of the other comments, wasn't it, James? He snapped at him, and he's like, James couldn't take him seriously anymore because he couldn't get by anyone. Like, Chris still carries yeah. himself. Like, I'm the point god. Like, bro, you, you, you're the point prince now, maybe. But but everything you said about Russ, isn't that kind of the way we perceive James? Like, I think – I haven't heard anybody say a bad thing about James Harden, but playing with him looks like it can be difficult. Yeah, but I think everyone acknowledged playing with him is difficult. He's elite. Well, no doubt. Right now. Yeah, but so, I, does Russell look I don't at himself like could, he's? I don't, but does no. Russell view himself as like oh, I better defer to James in the big moments? Well, I think that's where James would say, "Well, we've known each other for a long time. We can work that out." And you would say, if your relationship is strong, like why did Dwayne Wade and LeBron have success? Because at the end of the day, their friendship and respect was so high for each other, you can figure it out. And like James doesn't respect Chris after a certain point. And I think that is like that in any professional relationship, right? If I don't respect you, it's hard for me to acquiesce to your demands. CC Guy Haberman in his end of his radio career with a former (laughs) boss. I just, you know, John, I'm too hard on the Raiders. (laughs) I don't know if you've read the Greg Pop article, but he he made some comments that, you know, I think he thinks he's pretty talented. Well, (laughs) it was great. And my favorite part is that one – now maybe these things aren't said back-to-back. But there's like it's a Q and A for those who didn't read it, and one answer is I'm not Durant, I'm Clay, and then the next answer is I'm Durant in the sense that I'm just a no BS. I right. don't hear from me. I just produce. I do my I, work. I'm a winner. Don't, yeah, I don't complain. <laughs> and the next sentence was I'm. I was like Durant that I five seven. I delivered them a championship. <laughs> not wrong. I love the comments. <laughs> Were there uh, com- yeah, on the so story? I, I got to go back and read some of the comments on that tweet. Oh yeah, I, I meant I love Greg's comments. I didn't oh, see. Oh yeah, the yeah, comments. yeah, I don't know if you're watching the Giants game, guy, but they're, they're putting up like 50 runs. They're I like am the watching net. it. It's <laughs> they're up 12. Buster just hit a bomb. Yeah, trade them. They they're hot right now. Don't sleep on Farhan. This is when he could trade the whole team. But God. at the end of the day, I know this. James, like three years ago, grew on me. I'm like, I don't hate watching him anymore. I but then that, that, then that team 
went the other way where I despise watching the team operate together. I am now, if you said, you know, it's November 20th, Wednesday or Thursday night. Well, Thursday there'd be an NFL game. Let's say Tuesday night, no NFL, no football on. You got Rockets, whoever. I'm like, I'm paying attention. I just, I want to see it. I think they're much more viewable now. Well, there's more. Aren't there just more teams in the NBA today that fall into that category? True, but I'm talking specifically them and him and just those two. No like doubt. If you say if you watch one tandem just early on. You could make a very strong argument. They're like, I just want to watch this for a minute. Those two. I'm talking LeBron AD. I'm talking D'Angelo Steph. You know, you name it. I, I, I mean, I could see like Russ throwing a ball. At, I just, I, you, you could convince me of anything. Yeah, you, you could only watch be, one game, one team play opening night. It might be them because I, I also think guy they have a chance to be really dynamic. I mean, those two are just. LeBron and AD would be up there too. Like that's, I almost think they've become underrated. Like how I would put, I would put them number one. LeBron and AD. I just want to see like what does LeBron James look like from the jump, right? Well, also it wouldn't be Paul George and Kawhi because did you know that Paul George is out like two months? Like he did have both shoulders operated. Like he's not going to be healthy for the start of the season. I don't think anyone talks about that. Lewis had a good tweet. Lewis and Riddick after someone. After, like, the sixth injured player was maxed out. He's like, the one thing that's crazy about the NBA, unlike the NFL, is no one has any concern for injuries when it comes to max players. Paul George, multiple shoulder surgeries. He's a max guy. They don't even hesitate trading for him. Now, granted, that got them Kawhi, who also has a history of quad injuries, and despite dominating in the playoffs, was limp. I mean, part of his greatness is he was literally limping around the entire playoffs. Kevin Durant has a torn Achilles. I love the guy, but they didn't even hesitate, and they didn't. They couldn't hesitate. Clay Thompson is a torn ACL. Right. Like, the amount of money that went to, and I, I think Lewis's point, like in the NFL, and I've been in these meetings. Basically, the majority of the conversation when you're talking about the top guys is injuries, 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 and there's no truly way to quantify, but it makes everyone nervous. Like in the NBA, it's like maximum, 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 microfracture, maximum. <laughs> it is kind of nuts. And I think for as great as these last three weeks have been a player movement, a couple of these guys, there's a decent chance they're just never quite the same. These weren't just like, you know what, he he uh, rolled his ankle in the in the second round. Like they, these were, I mean, just an ACL injury that I think we and I love Clay and we're all consuming he comes back to 100% but for every Adrian Peterson there's a couple guys that just are never quite the same right. and when I say never quite the same I just mean maybe he's just 90% of what he was yeah. what if Kevin Durant's never the same what if Paul George's shoulders are just fucked because it's not well, like fucked Paul are not the same or two different things but if those guys are all not the same the teams that signed them would probably do those deals if you told him right now that guy's going to be 90% of what he's been they would do that deal why, but I'm saying 90% is a good thing. Like, if you use 90%, you can still win championships. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, though. Like, 90% I, I don't of the NFL. Like the, healthiest, the healthiest tandem is probably AD and LeBron. 90%. Yeah, and AD's not. AD gets hurt all the time. And well, LeBron's it, it, coming off a major injury. Would you consider Kyrie and Kevin a healthy tandem? Like, they'd be the least healthy tandem, right? Kyrie's had microfracture surgery. Yeah, no. I'm, and I'm Kevin trying to just think if there's any other tandems out there that. 
I mean, Clay and Steph now. I mean, Steph has had injuries in the past, and now Clay has an ACL. Uh, obviously, Kawhi and Paul George are pretty big injury red flag tandem. My, my but dad so, also not forget is kind of, Paul's leg once upon a time snapped. Well, and there's also um, now he's battled back. Where this came from, but I guess there was this story or a podcast or something my dad was telling me about just how in the NBA now because he was saying Julius like Julius Randall was an example. Now he broke his leg. It wasn't like a wear and tear issue, but he got hurt right away in his NBA career. Oh, opening night, I think, right? Yeah, and and the point of the study or whatever it was was just that like these guys play so much now year round, even in youth basketball, that guys come into the NBA with a lot more wear and tear than they used to. Like their bodies are older than they've ever been, even when they're still twenty one years old. I think your dad's talking about the Howard Beck article from last week. He did like a deep dive. Okay, so that's what it was. Ba- or, ba- or Baxter Holmes on just a lot of uh, – I think the point of it was a lot of executives in the NBA are like, this kind of jumped the shark here on injuries now. It's the amount of money we're paying these guys, and we're getting major injuries all across the board. Yeah. Because I think that speaks to this free agency class. Well, and my, and my thing was uh, – like I buy it, first of all. And it's different. Like football, you don't you can't play year-round football. Like, you do a seven-on-seven seven camp, but that's not anywhere near just the same speed as you go play in, like, some pro-am uh, week in L.A. or something. Like, they're playing back. Like, they're playing. Yeah. It's not seven-on-seven. Seven. Like, they're playing it, basketball. Like, what, J, what J.J. Watt's been doing for the last two months, like, box squats, right? And, like, sprints. Well, like, everyone's given, and I understand it, Zion's not in shape, so everyone's giving him shit. But his offseason was three months. He had a pretty big belly. I'm just saying, John, his offseason was three months. Like, it's not like it's October. It's July. He had a three. Well, they played through March. Here's the one thing I'll say. And, I, and I know then he goes on all the, the then he does all the awards. And, you know, like. In, to me, there, there's a difference of being out of shape, which I, I think most guys in summer league know I'm like second rounders that had no clue if they were going to be drafted. that just kept grinding, knowing that they were going to get a summer league shot and had to be ready to go. Then like Zion, R.J. Barrett, and all these guys that don't do anything, R.J. Barrett just stands there with a shirt off. He's still jacked, you know, skinny. Zion, and I think Bobby, I heard Bobby Mark say this, like a lot of people in the league, like the one red flag on him was his body's really weird in the sense that he's, a, he's an elite athlete. He's like got to work really hard just to, get to ba- just to get the baseline, right? He's got to work way harder than everybody but, else. But he, yeah, but he, honestly, you'd say he's like a – if he was an NFL equivalent, he'd be like a, an all-time blue chipper defensive tackle, but his body's a little weird, right? Like he can get quote-unquote fat, but he can play fat. But you go, well, he's only – it'd be one thing if the guy's 25, and you're like, you know, he's got to change his diet as he ages. I get it. Guy's 19 or – he might still be 18 years old. And he, I mean, legitimately had a belly. Now, is there a chance that the amount of food he consumes just – is just outrageous, and he doesn't even realize what he doesn't even eating, right? Like he's just eating like ten thousand calories. I mean, it's just something crazy, like five thousand calories a day. I, I mean, I don't even know caloric intake for like a premium athlete. It's super I feel like high. Phelps was like eight thousand plus. Yeah, I'm trying to just think like eyeballing what NFL guys used to eat in the cafeteria. Maybe it's like four to five. Like a guy could just grub. But a defensive tackle, and in fairness, like also if you're, you're three- traveling a lot. Right? This time of year, he's doing all this travel. He's doing all this different stuff. But to me, if you're 6'6", 270 pounds, you're just going to eat more than 
a guy that's 5'11", 190. So you're going to eat a lot. But is there a chance that he's eating the wrong foods? And I think the thing that would concern NBA people would be like, most 20-year-olds in the NBA eat the wrong foods. It doesn't affaze them. But it kind of affects him. I, I'm not trying to be a hater or negative Nancy because I love everything he stands for. The happiness, the joy, how funny he looks. But I, I got it red flagged a little bit. Which is a fine. Little. I'm just saying, let's not act like he just showed up in October looking like no. this. Okay? And let's not act like he didn't just go on this whirlwind of a post-college career. I th- uh, but I do think it's fair to say, for all the top NBA prospects we've seen like in our adult life, he's probably the most unique body. Because even LeBron, when he came out, when you watch some of those videos, like that game one at SAC, what do you think he weighed? Like two thirty? Like he was pretty I mean, relative. Slender. Yeah, you know he was slender. Zion looks massive. <laughs> even Shaq, like go yeah. Google LSU Shaq, like he was thin. Even when you watch like early Laker Shaq, I bet and I've heard Shaq say this. I used to be able to eat two pizzas and I didn't think twice. Once I hit twenty eight, Phil started yelling at me. I realized I had to change. But I, I think Zion already can't. But he's got your metabolism should never be faster in your life. Like once you hit like your your actual end day height, not I'm not talking like 12, 13, 14. I'm talking like 17 through 21 ish. And it feels like oh, you got to be careful. I heard David Griffin say, you know, yeah. we're not worried about it yet, yet, but we're gonna be cognizant of it. Right. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not saying. I'm not saying ignore it. I'm just saying. Well, you know, I, you know who I think his example is. And even this guy, when you t- throw like 1984 Auburn, like Charles was, but I think there are some similarities with Charles and this guy. Shorter, yeah, I, shorter I, bigs. I'm with you. Who. The one thing but Charles, Charles feels like even he was a little sl- more slender than Zion is now. Well, yeah, but he was also probably three inches shorter, right? Yeah. But remember, one of the knocks on Charles when he went to that camp, Team USA 84, and he got cut by Bob Knight. Bob Knight thought he was a fat ass. He was big there. I, I think they were like he was 280 pounds. And he even said, like, I was out of shape or whatever. But I think he could balloon. Certain people can just balloon. I'd be more concerned if Zion's eating the right things right now, and it's still a problem. Yeah, but I, there's no chance he is. Uh, all right. Speaking of, uh, we're watching the Giants game. We are. It's July fifteenth as we record this podcast, John. The trade deadline's coming up. Two weeks. Farhan, no chance he hesitates on uh, doing what he's got to do. I love the idea of like, you know, maybe you just see what happens. You get into the playoffs. You got Bumgarner for one game. You get into a series, it's like, no, 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 no. Well, laying in bed this morning, I just went through teams that have a better record than them. They, they only have a better record, I think, than three teams yeah, in John, the they're, NL. They're not, they're not getting close to making the playoffs, even if they kept this thing together. Yeah, they're just my, – my Yeah, exactly. You're only six and a half out. Yeah, there's 13 teams between you and first place. And they're just better. Well, it's probably not 13. It's probably nine. He, but. He, here to me is the conversation, though. And I think for the first time, Larry's had all the juice, right, for the last 10 years or whatever, for a long time. Well, it's clear, and I think the report came out when Larry came back, he no longer is in charge. Farhan now reports, I think, Fred Dean or just Charles John. Like, Farhan doesn't answer to him anymore, which is kind of crazy. I mean, that was pretty big geeky Giants news. 
But one thing that was clear under the Larry regime is that under zero circumstances would you ever do a deal with the Dodgers or the A's. And I think now, because I, I, I fall under the category of Farhan one is going to know the Dodgers players, like who they have in their system better than anyone, right? Better than any of these other teams. Like he's going to know exactly what that team has at least this year. If they offer some incredible deal for him, and I'm not saying they even want him because they're kind of lefty heavy just to begin with, but let's say they do. If they are paying the most, and it's even if it's a pretty site, like let's say it's 120 cents on the dollar and the next best team's like 90 cents on the dollar, I would have no problem doing that deal. I also think the A's, like I, I'm sorry, I, I don't think it matters. Like my, my, I think the optics of like trading to the A's with Dodgers, I, I think it's kind of a relevant guy if you're getting the best package. So I think they're. I think the, trading him to the A's, the Dodgers, are two really different things. Um, Which one's worse, the Dodgers? Um, by far, I don't think it's close. Namely, because they're in your division, like they're not just some idea of a competitor. They are in your division, and they have dominated your division. And I think if they had won the World Series already it'd be a little easier maybe you could argue you could easily argue the counter to this see i'd probably argue the counter because you got three they got zero in the last 30 years so your your counter what i was going to say is if Bumgarner helps them win their first world series in this era uh that that hurts but you, your argument would be well if they've already won one now he could help them get even closer to year three which would that even matter i think it'd be much harder to watch him here's the other part of it the other reason i think the but my argument would be tougher my argument starts is, with they've paid more for him than any other team was willing to go right because that's the goal yeah, yeah, of trading. Yeah. we're just but we're just we're starting with what let's just say whoever gives you the best offer the other reason the dodgers thing would be tougher is that the dodgers can win the world series the a's are not going to win the world series um, and so uh-huh. they're not one of the world series. They're just, their pitching staff's not good enough, but they're good. I mean, I like what if, them. What, what if team. they went on like a legit run with Bumgarner though? Yeah. So they had Bumgarner. Maybe then it's possible, but I think it's far more likely the Dodgers won the world. Just the odds that Bumgarner is in a Dodgers uniform winning a world series are higher than the odds that him in an A's uniform, he wins a world series. So I well, think here, for a few reasons, here's the other curveball too. Under zero circumstances, if you give him to the A's and they give you a haul, is he resigning? Is he resigning with the A's? Yeah. And even if let's say they won the wild card game, won the first round, and then played the Yankees and lost in seven, like they would be on TV a lot. You'd see probably four games of Bumgarner in the A's. But at the end of the day, you're so far ahead in this market, it doesn't matter. Even if they won the World Series, I don't even think the way our minds work, it wouldn't be that crazy. The double whammy with the Dodgers would be he helps them win a World Series. They freaking love him. They give him $120 million and he just stays on the staff. So, again, my, my thing is with the – like, to me, the A's, I just view as, like, another team if I'm the Giants. And I imagine Farhan does. The Dodgers, I'll, I'll acknowledge you can't – they're in their own little world. Like, they're the worst-case scenario you can trade them to. So that means their offer just has to be way better. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Farhan – It'd be like if Howie Roseman became the GM tomorrow of the 49ers and then he would know, like, if the Eagles want to make a trade, like, he has a better feel for their – like, he just has a really good feel for what they have. Now, you should have a good – if you're the GM, you should have a feel for the whole league. But you're just going to have an intimate knowledge of the way they think because I would imagine he's a human. Don't you think he's 
He's still friends with all those guys over there. Like, they still text. Well, yeah. It, well, exactly. It's not just that he'll know the players. It's that he'll and know the who they... And the age would be somewhat similar. Like, I bet him and Forrest are good buddies. He'll know who they value, right? So he, he, he will not get tricked in any deal by the Dodgers. See, that my argument is... If the Dodgers are going to pay you 120 on the dollar, if Madison Bumgarner's, Bumgarner's a dollar, and they're giving you 120, and the next best offer is the Yankees at 85 cents, because I think a lot of people just give them the Yankees. Well, the Yankees probably going to win the World Series. He's going to be on TV all the time, so you just help the Yankees win the World Series. And you're helping someone if you give them the ass. You're going to help someone have a legitimate chance. So you might as well take the best offer. You got to take the emotion out of it. Your team. Besides these last two weeks where they're kicking ass, right now they're up 13 to nothing in the fourth inning. They look pretty unreal right now. But for the most part, your team sucks. You just need help. And I, I'm a big believer. Remember when the Cubs got Chapman? And I forget who they got in that Chapman deal, but it was two sweet dudes. And they helped him out. And then they just re-signed Chapman back. Couldn't you just trade him to the Dodgers and then sign him back? In theory? You're talking about who the Yankees... You're talking about the think, Yankees got back. I think the Yankees, Yankees got like Torres. Yeah, they got up. Torres. And didn't they get an outfielder? Like they got two. Well, yeah, they got, I remember they got Billy McKinney. I thought they got one other guy who like snapped his leg. Remember? Like the first game when he came well, up. Remember what I'm talking about? The guy the that sla- snapped his leg, isn't he on the A, isn't he in the A system now? Maybe he got traded, but I think he was, I think it was the guy that snapped his leg and Torres. I thought the guy that snapped his leg was already their prospect. Well, he snapped his leg like two years ago. Like Chapman was already back on the Yankees by then. I thought. Yeah. I, and I'll I'll look up the trade. But so look, fundamentally, I I would be open to trading him to the Dodgers. If it's one twenty cents on the dollar versus eighty five. Again, that, me, that's my no, premise here. That's Got a no brainer. But it might not be right. It might be one twenty to one fifteen. Then what yeah, do you do? Th- yeah, then I again I'm then so, you, I guess. so you're so you acknowledge there is some emotion here that is understandable if it's if they're offering you a dollar twenty and someone's offering you a dollar fifteen, you just take the dollar fifteen, you don't send them to the Dodgers. To me the gap's gotta be the gap would have to be pretty wide, but there's a chance what if it is? Yeah, it might be. It might be. I mean this is a team that's been to the World Series two years in a row. Uh, now I don't know that they need them, but whatever they, the, they'll take as they'll take whatever they can get. I, I think they would even tell you, like we know we're built for the regular season. We kick ass. We've kind of been somewhat flawed in the playoffs. Like we would, like he would help them. Yeah, like do <laughs> they think is Ryu going to be this good in the postseason? Walker Bueller. Why well, would I watch the game like last week? Walker Bueller was dominant. Yeah, Walker Bueller's fan. But but I understand that's your point. Is your because I think they're set. I, I get to a seven game series. I got Bumgarner, Kershaw, Bueller, Ryu. Let's go. And then I, at any moment I can pull Bumgarner out of the pen. You know I, can I get why they would do it. I'm saying I think they can win the World Series without him. But I get why they would do it. Um, I think you could also make the case like, here's the problem. I'll make this case and then I'll, and then you can give me the devil's advocate. It's like. If you're them, maybe you want them to spend $120 million or more on Madison Bumgarner. Well, he's a good pitcher. Is he a guy that's just going to shove it in your face every fifth day anymore? That, 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 that's, that's my argument on the old school. Like Larry Better hadn't got neutered. This conversation would be stupid. But now that Fred Dean's in charge and Farhan kind of feels like, Farhan, you just do it, right? Like Fred Dean ain't telling him what to do. Now, but now this conversation comes up, but Farhan, the way those guys think, and the older I get, the less emotional I get about sports. Like if I was 
18 years old, I'd be like, no chance, none. Now I'm like, I'm not open to it. I kind of want it because, again, the advantage he has of knowing what to get back. And all all I know this, guy, whenever I turn on and I watch MLB Network feels like any game at 730 plus at night is a Dodger game. I I, I don't know half their team. I mean, I do now. The Verdugo guy, Garlic, (laughs) names, all of them are sweet. Every fucking one of them. James is like, who are these humans they find? They, they, they draft like uh, – they don't miss on picks. <laughs> Never. Giants can't hit a pick to save their life. They hit on every guy. So you might as well just pillage their system of these sweet players. That, that, that would be my take on it. And I, and I do think now that the Giants have Farhan, who I know thinks like that, Fred Dean, I think he's a venture capitalist type. They just feel like they got a little less emotion there. Let's make a good trade. Like, and I think it goes back to, I'll give Cashman credit on this. When Cashman did the Chapman thing, it was viewed as like, God, they, they had a plan all along. They're like, well, remember, because they were kind of, they were much tighter in the race that year than the Giants were. But he's like, screw it, we're selling, though we know we're the big dogs. We're going to re-sign them, and we're going to restock. Because they, they traded like Andrew Miller, too, and one other guy. Like That, that kind of changed their course of their franchise, right? Kind of restocked their whole deal. Now, they were, I'm not... They were already had some young players coming up the pipe, but I heard where'd I hear me Farhan on with like London Tolbert, and I guess there's a certain amount of money you get allocated right for the international signings, mm-hmm. and he's like, when we were with the dot, it might have been when he was with the A's or the or early on his Dodger career, because obviously the Dodgers got really active in going down there and hitting on some guys that you'd never heard of. Because he signed him like 16 or 17 years old. He's like, this one guy, one of our scouts comes to us. And he's like, I got this interesting player. He's, you know, he's just, I, th- I think we got something here. He's only 15 years old. And no one really knew what to make of him. And the Yankees ended up signing him. And he's like, you know, I kind of regret that one. He turns out to be Gary Sanchez. <laughs> so you just. The Yankees just signed another 15-year-old too. And I think the Giants, since Farhan got here, are like, they're going to be much more aggressive in that. I think they tried the last year of like Bobby. But it feels like Farhan's got a well, better idea. They, got the, they signed the guy um, who they ended up trading. Was he in the Longoria trade? A Fox. Oh, Lucius Fox. I remember Lucius Fox was one of those guys. Is he on the Rays now? No, I mean, he's still young. I don't know. He's, I think he's still in the minors. Can you imagine? And Farhan was basically just saying, like, how impossible it is for your scouts down in that area. Like, for every Gary Sanchez, there's probably a lot of middle coughs, you know? How— at 15 years old, guy, how do you have any clue? I mean, you think, like, the NBA drafts hard at 19? Imagine 15. Like, yeah, this guy's a big leaguer. Yeah, this guy was <laughs> – This guy was. Uh, he's 22 now in double-A. No, I know. Lucius Fox? Yeah. Or that's the, from Wall Street. No, Lucius Fox, yeah. But it's, that, it's crazy. Is that his name? Lucius Fox, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Char- Charlie Sheen in Wall Street was Bud Fox. Lucius Fox is a movie character, though. Yeah, I think Charlie Sheen's definitely Bud Fox in in uh, DC Wall Street comics. This guy. Um. Uh. Oh, by the way, D- Dustin Fowler was the guy I was trying to think of, who's in the A's. But the Chapman trade, they got some minor leaguer. I've never, I don't know who he is, who's still a, a Yankees minor leaguer. Kay- it'd be Rashad it'd be Crawford. Ran into our buddy uh, a couple weeks ago, Stiglitch. In my, we live in the same complex, and he did. He worked, you know, for Cal 
athletics this year doing the college baseball stuff. And I guess he said that Vaughn kid that the White Sox draft is already crushing it. Yeah, he hit like a home run in his first pro game. <laughs> yeah. With he's going to be okay. Bombs. Uh, he's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah too bad Pete Alon- I kind of was watching Pete Alonzo like, oh, is that him? Pete Alonzo is pretty sweet. Pete, did you see the interview they did with Pete Alonzo? After he won the truck no, or during whatever? the game. Didn't he win a million dollars? Was that the prize? Yeah. What did you think of all the interviews during the All-Star game? I'll be honest, I didn't watch that much of it. The one I did see was, who was Freddie Freeman, Freeman at bat against? They did, like, Verlander. They hit him with a crazy cur- yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was good. They had There was one where they had all three Astros mic'd up at the same time. So it was Bregman, Brantley, and... Um, uh, Correa? No, no, no. Uh, Springer? Yeah. And the balls hit the right field. Like Springer goes to cut it off, throws it, tries to get the guy at second base, so he overshoots the cutoff man. And Brantley immediately, like him and Bregman, start talking shit on the mic about. They're like, "Oh, what do you know? Like George, George, uh, George missed the cutoff man again. Like that just must, Springer must always just like try to gun guys out. Like, oh, what do you know? George missed the cutoff man again. It was pretty good. It was just like a real moment. It was funny. I don't know. I, I did see some hate on uh, social media. How could you hate that idea? There's like, nothing this to hate. Is... I mean, it's like it's guys, it's the All Star game, and the players were like kind of into it. I know. I thought some the of them. Freeman not all of them. Pretty, but... I thought Freddie Freeman was pretty funny. He's like, I just come with the heater. Swung Freeman and was good. And then Alonzo, they hadn't introduced him yet that he was mic'd up. And then there's a play at first, and it looks like he came off the bag, and they call the guy out, and and Alonzo. I saw like, that one. Uh oh, uh oh, that boy might have got his foot off the bag or something. And then he watches the replays. Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. It was good. Yeah, Pete Alonso is pretty sweet. How about this guy? I mean, Vlad Jr. You know what's crazy is middle of that home run derby. I just assume like oh, I bet Vlad's got like 15 home runs. He's been up since like a month into the season. He only has eight. Yeah. But is there a, is Jock Peterson just the ultimate? He's made for that event. How awesome was that? <laughs> just his his Dude. swing. Like, I could just watch Jock hit take BP. That all was day so. Long. I lo- I was like super into that. I was, Chapman's I, dad, shitty. I, I missed Chapman. I, I didn't see all the Chapman. He might have hit him with a pitch. Yeah, people were. <laughs> I thought he was like throwing him cuts. Like someone broke down his pitches. Like, God, Chapman's dad's got a great slider. Like hitting on the outside. <laughs> the jock one was sweet. And I, guy, I mean, think about this. Palo Alto High School, whenever those two guys were seniors, had Jock Peterson, Devontae Adams. Like in the last like 20 years, how many high schools have just produced two guys, two separate sports, that have been Pro Bowl, you know, all stars that are clearly just pretty unique talents, right? Like Jock just stands out. He's just now he bats about two fifteen, but he's going to hit forty bombs. And they ain't there. He doesn't hit just like whoa, that barely got over. It's like that's gone. <laughs> you know, right. he swings out of his ass. Yeah, no, he was he was fun. Would Jock? Would he have been an all star when we were kids? 230 would just be a home run hitter? Is that what he's hitting right now, 230? Yeah, it wasn't high when I Googled it. Yeah, maybe. Well, the other thing when I Googled, I'll say this. The home run derby beside Vlad Jr., oh, these guys are hitting a lot of home runs. But you're going to have – you're you mean, probably going to have, give or take, potentially 10 guys over 50 this year. Yeah. That's why I think Verlander saying the ball's – like something's up. It's well, not no, I mean, it, well, it better be the ball. Right. It better be the ball. 
It's not this easy to hit them. <laughs> like, if it's not the ball, then what is it? Everyone's workout regimen? Well, everyone no, knows, la- the, think, everyone yeah, knows think, launch angle now? Yeah, I think the argument is there's just there's no such thing as a two-strike approach anymore. You just swing your well, up. No doubt. Switch. Yeah. No, that's fair. But like, I, I, some, I used some, to pull you out of the lineup for that BS. Now you get to stay. I think that's different. Like, you just get more ABs and – you get to just try to hit home runs. More guys just trying to hit homers. Maybe there's something to it. Like nobody had ever really maximized their home run potential until yeah, now. I, I'm conspiracy guy. I, I think that it's pretty black and white. Just the way the game's played now, more than like it had better be because I just think the way these guys swing, they strike out a lot. I think isn't the it's going to be a major league baseball record this year for strikeouts by a mile. And I don't think it's weird. You know the Farhans and the Billies. I mean Billies loved it forever. Like yeah, I don't care if you strike out, just walk a little bit and hit some home runs. <laughs> Yeah, but isn't the ball going further? Now guys are throwing harder well, too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the if the ball is going further because it felt like again I didn't see the audio. I just watched read the read the transcript. It felt like Verlander's pretty pissed off, didn't it? Or just thinks it's kind of BS. Like yeah, everyone's acting like these guys are just fucking. Every guy's Mickey Mantle. He's like it's bullshit. It's the ball. So you think um, the ball is is tighter? Is that what his? I don't. Nobody thing- knows. Nobody knows what the deal is. I mean, all the balls are handmade somewhere. And what's his point? It's like, I don't know if it's t- what the deal is, but they're making them, right? Yeah. Because they bought the company? Yeah, they bought the company. Rawlings. Yeah. I read it takes um, it takes 10 minutes to do a ball by hand. So the average person working an eight-hour shift makes whatever, 40 balls. Well, do you remember... Does your dog ever, like, growing up, chew through the ball, and you ever get to the middle of the ball or just rip it open? Yeah. Like, when you were a kid and see yeah. the middle of the ball, you're like, yeah. this thing is pretty crazy. What's their strength? They're, also <laughs> when, they're, they're different. Like, they start, those balls, they start stringing out. You know, like, I'd grab a, a Bic pen or a Pilot pen. It's pretty clear that this would be two screws, put it on. Like, you'd untake the ball. You're like, this does take some time to put together. Like, a machine <laughs> probably couldn't put this thing together. You know what I've been watching some of is, like, uh, you see these guys, they're, like, cut open golf balls? No. Because I saw somebody did this video, like, just cause, like you think you just, like, your ball goes in the water, you're able to scoop it out, put it back in your bag, and play it later. Like, it's like, you shouldn't do it. And he cut open the ball, and, like, he's like, just a little bit of water or time, just, like, over time, a ball will retain, some of these balls retain um, liquid. And so it really does, like, playing a really old golf ball or playing a ball that you dug out of the lake, like, there is a... So he cut open some of these, and they were just nasty. Like, they thought you th- it looked like, like guts of a human. Like, out. did he show you cutting open a new ball compared to these yeah, other Yeah, a new ones? ball you cut it open just looks like a, you know, it just cut, yeah. it, that Even that's kind of fun. Kind I got to admit, like, inside. it's fun to watch a slow-motion video of a guy, like, cutting open a ball, a golf ball. It's kind of cool. Um, you know, one of the takes right now in the golf community hmm. is that because this, the technology is only going to get stronger, these guys are never going to be able to hit it farther. I mean, they're only going to continue to hit it, like, one day, even if it's max 350, but you're never going to have par fours that are like 600 yards. Like it, it, it kind of the courses are kind of are what they are. Maybe yeah. give or take 10 more yards. It's to go the opposite of baseball and decompress the golf ball, so you like can college bats or uh, the, yeah, the basically a race car, NASCARs pressing for a golf ball. So like the longest hitter on tour, it could bring that guy back to like 300. And you know, and I started thinking like I think that that'd be watchable. It just make it a little tougher. They'd still hit like down. Even the if middle. it's not three, I'd even be down. With, yeah, no, I, I'm down. I mean, look, they slowed the cars down in NASCAR, right? Well, I do, went. I'm to, not a good uh, enough NASCAR knower, but yeah, I, I, one of the days I played golf. How I got my start on my golf rounds last week is I was like, oh, I need something to do on Tuesday, so I just Googled around, 
and I found Paso Tiempo tea time for like 7.30 in the morning for $100. Okay. Like, I got to check this out. So I went there by myself. They paired me with two guys. One of the guys was like a 70-year-old dude, and he had played at Cal in like the mid-70s. He was a college golfer. So I was picking his brain throughout the round. And he used to play guys like – he's like, we used to have a very good, you know, pack, it was the Pac-8 at the time, but like Tom Watson was at Stanford – Craig Stadler was at USC, like these really good players. He's like, Craig Stadler was kind of the John Daly before John Daly. He's like, the irony of Craig Stadler was such a, he was a metal head case, always got so angry throwing clubs. He's like, he was the best player out there. Tom Watson was like slow, steady. But he's like, Craig Stadler was by far the longest hitter. And I was like, how far did he hit it? He's like, 260. Wow. So, you know, if you had a 400-yard hole and you hit it 260, you still have 140. Well, think of the hole's 440, you have 200 in. Well, if Dustin Johnson's playing a 440 hole – he hits a 320. He's got a wedge in his hand. So the right. game is just – it just used to be really impressive to shoot 70. These guys shoot 70 with their fucking eyes closed and they're off because they're just – it's just too easy for them. It, it really is. And I, I think they're going to have to change. And, and you know what? I'd argue for Verlander – you know, I kind of like watching home runs. So I'm not, you're not going to see me complaining about home runs. Uh, my final thought on Bumgarner, John, the reason I would be open for the right deal, but the reason I'd be open to it is, you know, in retrospect, they should have traded him a couple years ago. And I think part of why you don't, you know, when there's more value of him at $12 million a year and he's still a better player, you don't because of emotion. I mean, it's, and I understand it. Like, I get it. It's not an easy thing to do. But um, I don't think you can make that same mistake twice with him, not doing the thing that is absolutely the best thing for your organization. You agree that... Sabian was too principled, and it, the rivalry meant something to him. You know, he's old school Northeast guy, Yankee guy. Like he ain't helping them out, and he's rightfully so. Farhan is probably as close to the polar opposite of just his thinking and just the way that those guys think in general, right? Like rivals yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. For when when value comes into play, and I think that now the rebuild is clearly so big, you just I don't need know. I mean, thirteen, 13 to nothing guy in the bottom five, John. I. Somebody asked me this question the other day, and I thought it was a really good question. He said, how many years until the Giants' preseason projection, win projection, is better than the Dodgers? Not how long till they win the division, just how well, long I'd until they go in. question because that team is just, I mean, they're like the Warriors like five years ago. I right. Think. That's the point, though. It's like, but, you can make, but you can make the playoffs if the Yankees or Dodgers are in your division. No doubt. No, there's no question. But it's yeah. just... They are in your division, so they are a little different. You can't think of it like that, or you're just going to be banging your head against the wall. No, no, but here's my point is you just – they're not even close to that right now, but it's going to be – we're at least six years out from them being able to put a team together that is preseason projected to win more games than the Dodgers. I'll say five, okay? So they just need as much high-end talent wherever it comes from as they can get. It's July 15th, 2015. 2019. 2019. 19. What is the Dodgers win projection next year? 98? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's going to be high. <laughs> so, and you're probably 80 at best, you know? So it's, yeah, you got a long way of the gap. I'm just saying, you got, to, by the time you're good, Bumgarner, like by the time you've really got a team together that can compete for a World Series, if we're, we're talking about, it's, we are, Bumgarner is maybe not, I mean, he's, 30 what how old is he now 20 30 30 well I, I think the example is maybe baseball's a little different like choose the warriors 
would Lakeup hesitate to do? I don't even know who their rival would be, but they would do a deal this, with anyone. It's tough. This is a pretty unique, you know, West Coast rivalry. Do you think the same could be said, like, would the Yankees and Dodgers do a deal? I, I think not, it's right? pretty similar, yeah. Would the, would If the equivalent of Bumgarner on the Yankees or Red Sox, would they ever do a deal with that other team? Well, if the value was, was bad, yeah. I don't know. I I would I, imagine just off the top of my head they probably don't do deals a lot, right? I, I'm I'm trying to go back and look here what their trade history is. Well, just think about it like this: Would I mean it's a little different because he kicks their ass every year, but he hates them. Like the Jets and Patriots are never doing a deal, right? Bill hates the Jets. Like they're just not doing a deal. I'm trying to think like does Bill ever do deals with any of the teams in his division? He would never, never trade. Now I trade for one of your guys. But I'm not. I'll sign one thing your guys. Yeah, sign your restricted free agents. And he has done that with Hogan and and Welker. I always so, forget. I thought about this the other day. Like, God, Welker's a coach now. It's kind of weird. So they did a deal in 14. Stephen Drew. Red Sox traded Stephen Drew to the Yankees for Kelly Johnson. That was the first time they'd done a deal since 97. What year was that? Oh, uh, 14. Kind of a weird deal. So, yeah, so it doesn't happen that often. One thing I just this popped up last week. I didn't even know what to think of it, but it was kind of now nah, everyone claims they knew it was coming, but Richie Incognito got suspended. Oh, yeah. So it's like, so, okay. Everyone's like, well, they knew it was coming. So, again, so you're a guy that's out of the league for a year who is now, you knew was going to get suspended. You sign him, who's 36 years old. But he is can't. Is this the second training. year in a row they've added a player that got suspended after they got him? Mart- Martavis? Yeah. But, I mean, that one was worse because they traded for him. No, in there. fairness, the suspended Martavis Bryant, they signed him. They cut him, yeah. After they had cut him. <laughs> they cut him. That, that one was way worse. This one is not technically bad, but it's also like, why did he get suspended? I don't know. Because the league had to do something after he threatened to shoot people in a funeral home. Like, they just... I don't think the league wanted to deal with this, but it's, we can't let this slide. It was more just precedent. Like this guy embarrassed the league, even though he wasn't in the league at the time. <laughs> but we can't. We got to do something. I don't know. Yeah. So, so, so here's my question. Part of the reason they signed him, right? Because they go, well, he's a starter. Well, he is a starter, but he can't start the first couple games. I don't know. No, I, it's I, not nothing. I don't. I'm not. Uh, don't feel. Don't feel self conscious about criticizing this. Well, well, I'm not feeling necessarily self conscious about it. I just. You know, I, I just I thought the thing from the beginning was like, what, what, why are you signing this guy to beginning to begin with? And now he's suspended. It kind of validates why everyone was like, what the fuck are they doing? Well, John, their first two games are divisional games. The Broncos and the Chiefs. Yeah. I it's just, like this matters. But here's the, here's the other thing. How how do they avoid? Did you and I talk about this, or I talk about it with someone else? Where they're like, I the, the league is not going to want them to talk about Richie during hard knocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did we and you talk or were I talking about someone else? Well, we talked about this, and part of it was just like, it does feel like Hard Knocks is kind of, you know, they'll do what teams want. I agree, but this is a pretty big elephant in the room story for them, right? Like, if you think of, like, the top five stories on the Raiders, you go, one would just be Gruden and Mayock, just that. Then moving, another one. Antonio, big one. The quarterback's always a story. He's got to change. But, I mean, Richie Incognito is, one, a famous name. To a polarizing name, 
and just has a story where if you're watching, you're like, oh my god, right, right. It's a it's made for hard knocks, like that story. Now you're right. Does the league slash the Raiders want them to dive into the like want the quote unquote journalistic element of it to like what really happened to that funeral home? Probably not. But it does make good TV. I don't I. I'd be a little shocked if they don't at minimum do like a 10-minute deep dive on Richie. You think they go deep dive or they do like they have him talking and he is able to like speak in his own words about how? Well, I think it's all in a – my deep dive includes him sitting there in front of the camera, him at practice playing, the O-line coach talking about him, and then is it Liv Shriver, the narrator kind of being like, you know, he's had issues and they kind of just do like a – a minute montage of some Newspaper of the shit. clippings and radio talk. I love when they do the radio talk. I love when they yeah. do radio clips. That's <laughs> Can they get are. a podcast clip while I was talking about Richie? You, want me, to, you want me to email someone at NFL Films? Yeah. I would like our voices on it. Yeah. If you need anything, let me know. Yeah. Did I text Derek Papa? Maybe he knows somebody we can talk to. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we'll be negative or positive. We'll do whatever you whatever need. Whatever they need for the clip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because it's always like the plane. I'm telling you, guy, Richie Incognito signing him makes no sense. It's always like the plane landing. There's like a plane landing, and then there's like a shot of the city, and then there's like a voice, a radio voice. Well, I'll give you the ones they use is they will get Pittsburgh clips for Antonio. He was a cancer. We needed him out of here. And then then the guy's co-host going, he's the best player in the franchise the last 20 years. This is Bean Joe Green. And they'll just be arguing. How are they going to get radio clips, though, of people talking about the Raiders? Oh, well, they won't be able to. That's why they need us in the podcast. Right. <laughs> that is a good point there, guy. That's yeah. not a sneaky shot. That's not even shots people... fired. That's, That's not, a fact. Just, how are you exactly. going to find it? It won't exist. Because I put, put Damon. The producer's probably emailing like, the executive producer, like, man, I've, I've dug in everywhere. I've gone to all their clips. There's no hashtag Raiders. I can't find anyone talking about the Raiders. Like, if you had asked me this before, like this time last year, I'd say – uh, to me, the clip that I would expect the most would be a Damon Bruce talking about the Raiders clip. That would be the number one. Like I would just expect that. Shitting on him? No, not even just saying. Not even shitting on him. Just that's the voice I would expect to hear in that. That's just what I would expect because of the flagship. They usually go to like the flagship. That's usually oh, yeah, what it yeah, is, yeah. right? That's where. I, that's where I assume Steelers. The Raiders do not have a flagship station. Think about that. They do not have a flagship station. And maybe it'll be JT talking about them. It will be. Or us. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just, maybe I can do some little research here and get us uh, get some run. All right. On that note. See you later this week. Yeah. More podcasts are back, baby. You're back. back. We're all back. Cheryl. Woo! Woo! Later. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.